Welcome everyone to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany. And I'm Howard. And Howard, this is our last podcast of our first season of the Healing Hope and Restoration podcast. I am so thrilled that we resurrected this. Yeah. <laughs> we went off the radio air in 2016. Wow. Uh, and, um, you know, here we are now at the end of 2022. And what a privilege, what an honor it's been to, for us to work together again and just try to bring some insight laughter and hope uh, to our audience. Absolutely. We truly hope you as our audience have been blessed by this. So I think we can't really wrap up the year. You know, around this time of year, we talk about things that are very familiar and that, you know, traditionally people might be going through. And I see the end of the year as like a natural reset. And oftentimes we're looking towards the new year as a place where we can really implement some of the changes and um, in our life. And so we become really reflective and then think about what we want to do differently. So our podcast today is really about talking about some of the obstacles to lasting change, because we all know when we talk about New Year's resolutions, the chances that we actually like maintain those resolutions or the changes that we want to make are relatively slim statistically. They are, and mainly because of the attitude in which those decisions are made. <laughs> Sometimes well they're, <laughs> they're spontaneous. Yes. They can be impulsive. They can be out of disgust mm -hmm. and maybe out of some self-loathing. Yeah. I just don't like my, don't like how I look. I don't like how I act. If it's born out of those things, it's not going to last. No. So as long after that feeling passes, we're going to be back into those old habits, back yeah. into the same thing because we're people of routine. Okay. Now, some of us a little more than others. For example, I have parked in the same space <laughs> for 12 years now. Yes. And both in the building and out of the building. <laughs> yes. And in the break room, I, I have sat in the same place for 22 years. And um, what's funny is that without even saying anything, when uh, new employees are being introduced, I invariably can overhear staff saying, now don't sit there. That's Howard's seat. I think, are <laughs> That's you very true. I can testify me? to that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm not that bad, but you know, it, as routine as we can be with those things, wouldn't it be great if we could translate that into something very positive as a routine in order to help change be permanent and lasting Versus impulsive, spur of the moment, or just born out of disgust, which never lasts. Absolutely. And routines are important because they really help us. You know, when I think about routines, I think about running on autopilot. And our routines, you know, take away from maybe daily tasks or simple tasks that, you know, we do and maybe are needed, taking up too much of our mental energy because there's so much to consider, so many decisions to make. So routines really. Um, kind of drive our lives. When I was a teacher, routines drove my classroom. It wasn't mm -hmm. the rules. I had like five rules. And you'd be like, oh man, only five? Yeah, there was five basic rules in the classroom. Everything else we did was routine driven. My students knew what to expect. I knew what was coming next. And everyone knew this is how we do things here. This is how we operate. And for the most part, you know, things ran fairly smoothly. So routines are important. So let's kind of go through, I'll just throw a couple out, Tiffany, and you can just go from there. So like the first one I think is that I got to have complete ownership over this. Mm -hmm. I got to be all the way in 
and be fully committed to it. And to do that, I have to really have it thought out. Yes. It cannot be an impulsive thing because mm-hmm. it's not going to last. Uh, spur of the moment thing. No, I need to be both feet in. I'm going to do this. This is important. And then secondly, I see the value of this. Mm-hmm. I see where this can take me. So I think to start with those two, I think are highly valuable. Yeah. Internal motivation is so important. Oftentimes we want to externally motivate people by giving them reasons that they should make changes or do things differently. But if on the inside they're not feeling it or really don't see the value in it, it's not going to create any lasting change in their life. They may do something to please you, but you're not going to see any lasting change. No. And I went through this in 2001. I thought I was a pretty routine person. Um, my weight was down. Um, my study habits were pretty good. Things were all right. I was very busy. I was getting things accomplished in spite of my busyness. But I hit a wall in 2001. And uh, it was a wall of crisis. And I realized that what I needed to add was a morning meditation component to help start my day. Now, in the past, before that, I had just tried to catch it somewhere during the day. So I made a commitment to get up at 4.30. Now, first of all, most of you don't know there's a 4.30 a.m. There is, okay? It's if you're, not exceptionally pleasant. No, it's not. If you're a mama, you probably know that time of day. Yeah. But I made a commitment to do that. And, you know, 21 years into doing that, I realize how valuable that has been to my well-being. Um, now you would think, well, Howard, isn't that a no-brainer? Why didn't you figure that out before? I mean, you're a counselor, you're a minister. That's because, as you said a moment ago, Tiffany, it doesn't matter who we are, we can get on automatic pilot and just mm-hmm. think, we got this, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so to be all the way in and to have a goal, my goal was to order my day. And I had to be all the way in, which means getting up that early was going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, finding that internal motivation, like you just gave a great example, is hugely important. I think the other thing, too, you know, that can create some obstacles to lasting change is not really knowing what you're working with. Mm -hmm. You know, from the beginning in regards to your own personal habits and maybe even some obstacles that get in the way of you making those changes. When I, so before I got pregnant, one of my primary goals, and I was deeply motivated for this, was to pretty much get off my blood pressure medication. And working in conjunction with my doctor, this wasn't just a willy-nilly decision, I decided that, you know, what we really, what I needed to do was to check my diet and my exercise habits because that's the part that I could manage. And so um, one of the things I knew that I needed is I needed accountability. Mm, Huge. I needed accountability. I knew that I could, if I was left to my own devices, I, I would, I would fail. And that's personal thing for me. And so I started working with a nutritionist and one of the first things that he asked me to do like day one, I thought I was going to get some time to ease into the process. He asked me to take pictures and send it to him of everything that I put in my mouth over the course of a day. Of course I got, I became super aware of what I was eating 
Mm. And he would shoot back pretty quickly. Let me see, you know, the nutrition facts from what it is that you're eating. And he would send alternate suggestions and then there would be an education component. Um, and so I became very, very aware that I didn't make good decisions. <laughs> and the truth is, is like, I don't think I knew how to make good decisions. And he was opening my eyes to this whole different world. So now when I pick something up, one of the first things I look at is the nutrition facts on there and the, the kind of rules or the, the structure that he gave me to make better decisions. So I need to know what I was working with, first of all. It's kind of like if you're going to start a weight loss program, you know, you step on the scale to see where you are so that you can kind of plot where you want to go. Right. I knew that my habits were poor and him keeping me accountable to what I was doing was priceless. Absolutely. It is because most of us are wired to do well. When we have accountability, we were created to be in community mm-hmm and to be in relationship and to have intimacy at some level. So with accountability, um, you have that extra incentive. Mm -hmm. Addicts who are recovering need accountability. Spiritual partners need accountability. Runners need accountability. Uh, Weightlifters, any kind of working out. Accountability helps us to be better people. Uh, the Bible says we're to spur one another on to good works. And I, I'm always reminded of that verse that the spurring on is so true uh, in terms of what we need as humans. And when we connect with each other in an accountability way, we add that extra incentive from the first point, which is to have the motivation to be all the way in. I know I'm not doing this in isolation or by myself, I'm going to answer to someone in a good way about how I'm doing. That's huge. I Years ago, I did research on, you know, how do you increase motivation and how, just how do you develop the motivation to do anything? And one of those things is, you know, obviously, if things are not working for you enough, you know, you might be motivated to make some changes. But what I discovered is that motivation is really bred in the context of relationship and not necessarily you're just trying to please someone else for sake of pleasing them. But when you're in relationship with someone and you you want to be in their good graces. You, you, you want to stay connected and you know that their behaviors or attitudes are just ways of being that can really compromise that you don't, you don't want to fall back into those same types of habits. I'll give you a brief example. I had a um, running buddy. I ran it all throughout college and um, after college, you know, one of my teammates, you know, hung around the area for a while. She wasn't from here. And we decided that we were going to continue to run together as we were in our adulting phase of life at that point in time. And so in order to make it work, we had to get up about 530 in the morning and meet each other at the gym. Like, again, not pleasant. Mm. And we both were runners, but distance running wasn't, I didn't do it just for fun. <laughs> like, it was for her, maybe more so me, not. And quite frankly, rolling out of bed that early to do something that I didn't like greatly enjoy the primary motivation was the fact that I envisioned my friend standing outside of the gym waiting for me to show up so that we can start our run. And on the days it was harder wow. to get out, it was the picture of her. That's a vivid illustration. And when I got there, you know, typically things were good, you know, and I felt good and I was grateful that I ultimately did it. But my relationship with her, my friendship with her and not leaving her hanging was one of the great motivations to get there. 
Well, you said something a moment ago that kind of tripped my mind, um, maybe into a kind of a sidebar comment. Once you get the notion that you want to do this, my suggestion is do not wait till January 1st. Yes, I thought about that too. Yeah, yeah. implement it now. Mm-hmm. You wait. Oh, I'm just going to binge till January 1. Now I'm good. Now you probably won't be. Because anything you do is habitual. And if you're binging now, you'll binge and purge, whatever it is you binge and purge with. And you're going to rock your routine and it's not going to happen. And you're going to get upset and you're going to feel some shame. You're going to feel defeated and then you give up. So as soon as you recognize, hey, I want to do this, do it. That is awesome. In preparation for this podcast, I thought the same thing. Don't delay. Yeah. Start implementing that. Excuse me. I know. I think one of the other obstacles to lasting change is the fact that we're not specific enough in the changes that we're going to make. We don't plan well. We say, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to go do it. And we don't account for a lot of things that established probably our, or maybe more previously poor habits um, and don't factor well into change. So, I have worked hard over the years to establish an exercise routine and I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say that I've always been consistent with it. It has definitely ebbed and flowed, Mm -hmm. but when I've been consistent, I've had to recognize some things about myself and how I operate. And one of those things is at the end of the day, I'm not like a night person. I'm typically a morning person. So at the end of the day, I don't want to do anything and working out means adding extra work (laughs) to that day. I'm not going to go. And so I've tried to fool myself many a day into saying, I'm going to go to the gym after I get off. I'm just going to go straight to the gym. I'm not going to go home. And I've never done that. Like, well, occasionally, but I don't, I I don't like that. So if I'm going to do it, it's going to happen in the morning. I get it in the morning. It's more than likely going to happen. And that's a really good thing for me. So I know that about me. And I also know to get out of the house in the morning, it's almost a requirement that I have everything in place to do so from workout clothes set out to shoes, to snack. I'm going to eat on the way to the gym in the morning to water bottle filled to paying for the class I'm going to go take. So now there's more of an investment and um, increased motivation to, to go so I have a plan set up. It's on the schedule. Yeah. Um, it's been worked out. And I'm more than likely going to do it if all those factors are at play. So sometimes when it comes to change, we're just not specific enough. No, and we have to be true to the circadian rhythms of our body. You know, whenever those circadian rhythms get set, we optimize then our days. So being aware and knowing that helps us then to find what parts of the day are optimum for us to do the things that we want to accomplish. Another thing that I'll throw out there that are obstacles to change is trying to do too much all at one time. We have a big plans for things that we want to do differently. And sometimes we can tackle way too much in that process of change at the beginning, as opposed to seeing it as like a gradual process. And, you know, there's a lot of work with that. Um, after being a very decent, probably better than average football player in junior high, 
not liking the varsity coach uh, that would was in place in my freshman year, I decided to run cross country. I can do this. Are you kidding me? I mean, I finished last, and I finished every race, but I finished last in every race. And I realized that these guys would run effortlessly, but they had been working at it for a long time. I didn't start running three miles until, you know, late summer that year. And now we're running five miles for practice, you know, and, and that was insane to me. And I figured out, it's kind of humorous. I figured out that running three miles was way too hard. I could run 100 yards and 10.9 seconds. That seemed a lot better. I could do that. That didn't take as much work. That was just very natural for me. But to do something that was a little more unnatural without that investment, without the psychological motivation, without the emotional, you know, push behind it, without the complete investment in that and recognizing I couldn't just step out on that course Mm -hmm. and run like the captain of our team. Couldn't do it. I wanted to. And there was a lot of defeat and shame in that because I couldn't do that. I should be able to do that. That's because any routines we do that are good for us typically take a planned out thing that we've been talking about and realizing that it's gradual. You can't do it all at once. It takes a lot of work. It does. And if you burn yourself out trying to do too much on the front end when you're not prepared or ready or even have an awareness of all the investment that's required to sustain it, you will more than likely fail. I use that word lightly, but you will more than likely kind of abandon that process of change. I recently listened to an audio book by James Clear called um, uh, The Power of, like, Think of Atomic Habits. And it's, I thought it was a really good book just about the process of change. And one thing I took away from that book in particular was the idea of just small changes. Don't despise, you know, we that comment, don't despise yeah. small beginnings, but don't despise the power of small incremental changes. So let's say you're trying to make like a dietary change because that's typically like a common you yeah. know, New Year's resolution. Why don't you start by just getting more water in your diet on a regular basis? Start small. Track yeah. that. Like <laughs> Exactly. Because, you know, that that to me is life. Educational programs are that way. Um Developing solid routines are that way. Going on trips where you're driving, you know, you're planning. It's a little bit at a time. You're not going to drive, if you're smart, 20, 21 hours, you know, without resting or stopping. Everything that we do in life takes this time, this plan, this, it's gradual. I have a goal I want to get to, but it's going to take me a little while to get there. And my little bit at a time makes a big difference. It does. And I don't think we account for that. So if you're going to start an exercise routine, and these are just basic suggestions, you have to decide on your own goals at the end of the day. You know, instead of saying, I'm going to be in the gym five days a week, which is probably radically unrealistic if you've never you haven't been to the gym for like three years even one day a week Mm -hmm. you know then why don't you start by parking further in the parking lot and walking a little bit more you know into the store or instead of taking the elevator you know take the steps if they're available like start with those small basic changes if you want to save money you know set a financial goal for how much money you want to save and maybe each paycheck put a little bit away maybe you can't put a lot 
away. But you know what? I can put a couple of dollars, you know, that grows right. over the course of time. Yes, and it's it like, does. I'm only able to save $5 this paycheck. Okay. you saved $5. That $5 you will have to use later for something that yes. you want. Or even starting a meditation practice, which is frustrating for a lot of us as we become aware of how very mindless we can be when we try mm -hmm. to do those things. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to meditate for an hour, you know, start with a minute you know, of mindfulness activity. You know, you, you're not going to get a a badge, you know, for, no. you know, I did this for an hour because ultimately, you know, the benefits are very personal. So if you start small, you're going to find that the enjoyment that you get from that and the benefits that you receive will compound over the course of time and it will spur you on to perhaps engage in those activities for longer to continue to, you know, capitalize on the benefits that you're already receiving. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. So again, try not to do too much at the beginning. Yeah, no. <laughs> so make your plans, um, <clears throat> identify some of that internal, you know, motivation, um, be aware of the, the habits that you've already established and some of the obstacles that have gotten in the way to the changes that you want to make. And try not to do too much on the front end and don't despise those small habits and changes um, at the beginning. And I will say, and I thought about this, um, when it comes down to our walk as believers, you know, our ultimate goal is to become, is to be conformed into the image of Christ. We want to mm -hmm. be like Jesus. Right. And, you know, after you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you know, there's this process of learning how to walk in this new life that we've been given. And just like you didn't save yourself, you know, the process of change is not embarked on alone. And so we really need God to, you know, identify those areas in our lives that, you know, he wants to work within and that, you know, shine a spotlight on those parts that are the changes needed. But in that, he also gives us the grace to make those changes without any level of condemnation. And yeah. so you're not an island unto yourself. Don't try to go on this alone. And if you're like, I don't like where my life is right now, as a believer, seek the Lord about what it is that he wants to do in and through you and cooperate with him. That's probably going to be the easiest way to make changes in your life and to um, feel more satisfied with where your life is heading ultimately. Well, I think of the Apostle Paul in one of his letters to Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. Mm -hmm. I have finished the course. And he said, there is now laid up for me in heaven the crown of righteousness. So the ultimate goal is, is to stay on track. And as I tell my addict clients, if you fall, don't fall down the stairs, fall up the stairs. Mm -hmm. Keep making progress. I like that. I like that. And I'll say, just as a last plug, there's some things we're just not aware of in our process of change that the Lord knows and is willing to reveal to us so that we can continue to move forward. Um, I mentioned this, you know, probably in several podcasts ago. There's seasons in my life where I just really desired to, to read the Word of God and seasons of life I really didn't. I just let other things pretty much take over. And I asked the Lord one day, I was like, I just don't have like that thirst to sit down and read your word. I know that I need it, but why am I not super motivated to spend, you know, extended time in scripture? 
And he simply told me, he's like, because you don't see it as vital to your existence. Mm. Wow. And I said, wow. Okay. I was like, okay, Lord, help, you know, impress upon me how vital your word is and spending time with you on a regular mm. basis is to my existence. Cause I want that thirst. And you know what he said to me? He's like, start small, you know, start reading. And he's like, and it's going to, you're going to become thirstier. You're going to become hungrier. You're going to want to spend more time as you recognize the benefits and the peace that follows yes. and the knowledge that comes, um, for your life to be a lot easier than it would be if you try basically trying to do it without me <laughs> on a daily basis. Wow, that's uh, that's profound, and it really made an impression on you. It did. And when those kind of impressions come, they come from the throne room of heaven to the seat of our heart, and that's where lasting change begins. It does. It's awesome. It is. So, folks, we are arriving very quickly towards the end of 2022 and this year has brought a lot of changes i think for all of us we've seen a lot of things in our nation so many ups and downs and as the end of the year you know typically for many is a natural reset and we're looking towards better things in 2023 hopefully better versions of ourselves you know um just different you know, and hopefully increased hope as well. We want to say thank you for tuning in to the Healing Hope and Restoration podcast. We enjoy doing this and plan to continue to do this yes. um, into 2023 um, and hopefully continue to encourage you on your journeys of healing, hope, and restoration. Thank you, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayer support, your encouragement. And as always, God bless and shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.